konnichiwa. On behalf of Honda, I would like to say how proud we are to commence our new relationship with Toro Rosso team. And we are confident that this will be a glorious and successful relationship like those other great Japanese-Italian partnerships, such as... Um, uh, oh, I know, that Fiat based on the MX-5, and... Um, ah, yes, the Alfa Romeo Arna. Oh, bollocks. Hello, welcome to Gareth Jones on Speed. I'm Gareth. He's Zog. Hello. He's Richard. Hello. And did you enjoy the Singapore Grand Prix as much as I did? Dog, Zog, did you enjoy it as much as I did? I did. I mean, it, You it, haven't what, asked me how much I enjoyed it. How much did you enjoy it? I really enjoyed it. Did oh, you enjoy yeah, it as much? I did enjoy it. Good. But, <laughs> it wasn't the most thrilling race at the front after the first 10 seconds, but a magnificent display from Hamilton. And uh, yeah, there was enough going on, you know, further back down the field to keep it interesting. Richard, was it interesting enough to keep you and your newborn daughter awake for two and a bit hours? Uh, no and no. <laughs> well, <laughs> I kept awake. She didn't. But, you know, in fairness, she's only a few weeks old. More telling was that my boy, who's three and a half, came home. He'd been out with his mum for a bit and they both came home during the race and he ran into the living room and went, oh, racing cars, racing cars. And then he sat down in front of the TV and about two minutes later he went, Daddy, I don't want to watch racing cars anymore. I want to watch Dinosaur Train, which is his new favourite thing. Dinosaur Train? Don't don't ask. And then there was an incident. I can't remember which one it was later on in the race. I think it might have been when Kvyat dinked into the tyre wall. It was around then. That sort of suddenly piqued his interest. Daddy, he's crashed! And then he sort of watched a bit more of the race and then he just got bored and left the room. He's not a fan of the hybrid era then. I don't Uh, think... Well, it's all he knows, really. (laughs) But but I I should probably sit him down in front of some great stuff from the 70s or something. Mm. Now, this is a man called René Arnoux. And, uh, <laughs> and sort of see how I get... Yes, Gilles Villeneuve. Now, some of your friends yeah, might tell you about someone with the same surname. Ignore them, he's awful. Um, <laughs> and, uh, so you're going to be indoctrinated. Indoctrinated, be- yeah. So, but it's interesting. He's a fairly uh, harsh judge of the racing and how exciting it is. And basically, I think he's at an age now where he just wants to see them crash. Well, I was going to say, you know, this may be more a reflection on the fact that he's three years old yeah, rather than, yeah. you know, really... Uh, it's hard to race. hold the attention of a three-year-old, trust me. Yeah. <laughs> However, if it's crashes you want to entertain and keep the attention of a three-year-old, that start to that race yeah. would have won him over oh. straight away if you didn't you know, it's funny it. actually because then later on he came back in the room after the race and they were rerunning it and he did find that there you go in fact but he did that thing which <laughs> do you remember Alan Partridge where they showed a thing where he's commentating on some football and he goes it's a goal and then they do a replay and he goes and another one and he <laughs> fails to distinguish between a replay but my boy did that because he went they crashed Eddie they crashed again I was like no it's the same crash <laughs> from a different angle remarkably similar to the yeah. crash last time that was a great embarrassment for La Scuderia, or La Scuderia, which is a correct way of saying it. Do we know? Scuderia, Scuderia? I don't know. Scuderia? Scuderia over there, Scuderia over here. But, yeah, Vettel screwed up there, really, didn't he? Yeah, if you've got to apportion a bit of blame, and, well, it's more fun to apportion blame than not. Yeah, it was, it was his fault, really. This is completely irrelevant, but I only found this out quite recently, and I've been sharing it ever since. Did you know Tifosi? And they always say, oh, they refer to the Ferrari fans as Tifosi. Mm. Do you know what Tifosi literally means in Italian? A fanatic? Uh, Mob? It means 
infected with typhoid. <laughs> I'm not, I promise you this is true. Really? You can look it up. Really? It means you are consumed with typhoid. I suppose in the same well, way we say fever. Of, Someone yeah, yeah. with a fever for a team. That's what it means. Tifosi means riddled with typhoid. So hmm. um, there you go. It takes the edge off it a little bit. And I imagine the, <laughs> That's a great little factoid. I'm, the I'm, many I'm people really who are riddled with typhoid would have been quite disappointed with what happened at the start of that race, including the man who runs, I presume it's a man, I don't know, could be a woman, who runs the Ferrari social media. And uh, the Twitter feed, yeah. who immediately went, it wasn't our fault, no, 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 and then got slapped down by, amongst other things, Mark Webber, hmm. who went, yeah, just another person sitting at a computer who's never even raced a go-kart. Yeah, Ooh. a bit harsh. He's a good no-nonsense Aussie, isn't he? Yeah. Yeah. Which good area retracted that immediately, didn't they? They said yeah. it was tweeted by someone unofficially from our garage wearing a Ferrari outfit. <laughs> not official in any He's way. not their fault. They are suffering from typhoid. <laughs> Which is kind of bonkers. But the race as rum played out to the benefit of not only the world's most popular vegan, Lewis Hamilton, but also the world's least popular British racing driver, Jolyon Palmer. Let's deal with the vegan who's going to save the world. Do you know about this, Zog? Uh, that he's a vegan? Yeah, he's yeah, no, become I, a vegan. I, I recently discovered this recently myself. I um, like him more. As an enthusiastic meat-eater myself, it doesn't make me think any better. Well, no, actually, it does make me think a bit better of him because I do admire people who are prepared to give up delicious meat <laughs> because they recognise that it's good for the planet. I'm not going to do that because, frankly, I don't... You don't care about the planet. This, so this actually, you care about beef. No, no, I don't care about cows enough. I don't respect <laughs> their rights, if you like, enough to not want well, to it's kill them, fault for chuck being so pieces delicious, off them and it? fry yeah. them. You know, if they're, they just, are, deli- they're they just too yummy. damn tasty. Well, but, they yeah. said if um, God hadn't meant us to eat the animals, he wouldn't have made wouldn't them out so, of meat. Exactly. Uh, there you go. I'm a vegetarian. I'm only saying that from an academic point yeah, of view. I'm fascinated by this. The general sort of learning curve of mankind... And how we discovered, for example, that certain things combine together, you put them in the oven, they make a cake. I mm. mean, that's a you know, trial and error. You know, yeah, we've almost got this, but I think fewer rocks next time. <laughs> um, and, and by the what, same extent... You're putting rocks in your cake? Well, I still do because I like it crunchy, but yeah, Victoria <laughs> Sponge rock Making ro- Early cake. rock cakes were developed from that idea, oh, I believe. Yeah. But also, if you just went, right, now, we've got a range of animals here, we've tried cooking them, here's the news. The cow, mmm, yummy. The seagull, bleh, <laughs> horrible, which apparently it is. Seagull, because I've always thought seagulls, fat, succulent. Yeah. But there's a load of meat on those buggers. But no, because they taste of fish. It's Puff- like fishy chicken, apparently. Puffins are reasonably tasty, aren't they? I'd I heard... think they're considered delicacy in Iceland, but they eat all <laughs> manner of wacky delicacy stuff. Delicacy in Iceland, it's like big in Japan. You're in sodden whale meat. Yeah, in Iceland they eat something called hakarl, which is shark meat, which has been buried in the ground oh, to putrefy. Yeah. And yeah. anything and is going to taste good after yeah. that. And also something called svia. It's actually a sheep's head, and they do something called something like svia sulta, which is sheep's head jam. Those Icelandic people, yeah. I love them. Yeah, they are great. Just <laughs> wonder why Bjork's music. Yeah, was one, quite one, wonder why I've never heard of an Icelandic restaurant. It's Which brings us uh, back to no, wait, the there is, isn't there? Singapore Grand Prix. We're, okay, we're not talking well, about Iceland. Probably closed down now on account of the food being horrible. Send me a link. I want to know. Anyway, quite all right, boys. Lewis Hamilton has become a vegan, and this seems to get a disproportionate amount of. 
recovery. Well, well, like, yeah, it's just for God's sake, leave the bloke alone. It's like he's just made a sort of minor tweak to his lifestyle. It's like it's not that interesting. And quite honestly, I think from a sportsman's point of view, if as long as he's getting enough protein and stuff, because my mate Tim went full vegan for health reasons, which is partly why Hamilton's done it as well. Mm-hmm. When you say health reasons, there's a difference between being persuaded that a vegan diet is more healthy for you in some sort of vague hand waving, ooh, meat clogs up your system yeah. sort of way. And somebody specifically, you know, a nutritionist or a doctor who's examined you and basically is advising you to give up meat for a good medical reason. Yeah. You know? So my mate, he's got an awful lot of cancer in his family. Lot of his relatives mm. have had cancer. And a dietitian said to him, look, there's a really good way to reduce your risk of the kind of cancers that are being found in so many members of your family. It seems almost inevitable you will get some form of cancer at some point, mm. is to cut red meat out of your diet and ideally go vegan. And so he did. And the thing is, mm. he's in incredibly good shape now. He's a bloke in his 50s who looks, I was going to say 10 <laughs> years younger, but he just, he just looks very well on it, which is surprising because you always think you get kind of way-faced and waste away from not having a balanced diet. But I guess if you do it right... But I saw Hamilton referring to this way of sort of combating some kind of potential genetic or hereditary diseases as another mm. reason to do it. And fair play. I, I couldn't do it because, again, I like yummy, yummy cows and chickens and things. But I, I think he's just trying to trade off. He's, mm. he's sort of being carbon neutral, isn't he, I think? He's concerned that the amount of CO2 pumped out by yes. the entire Formula One circus, if he cuts out the whole meat thing, he might just put it back in balance. Because cows are pretty... Well, they're flatulent, aren't they? It's not a CO2 issue. But, but it's a greenhouse gas issue yeah. because, yeah, because cows fart a lot and the methane that they emit, and actually there is quite a lot of it, it's a much more potent greenhouse gas than carbon dioxide. It doesn't mm-hmm. persist in the atmosphere for mm-hmm. as long, but while it's in the atmosphere, until it gets broken down, until it, well... But that's the, I think Hamilton got a lot of flack for that, and I could see that that bit of it. You should say, Lewis, you drive around in rounded circles every other Sunday, and you've got a private jet. Now, you know, let's just well, calm down yeah, on this yeah, bit. Yeah. But, yeah, yeah, but I think it's perfectly okay for somebody who's a racing driver and drives a stonking fast racing car. It's okay for them to care about the environment. And yeah, call it his carbon know. offset. It's like the way yeah. that you know you buy a Land Rover Discovery mm. and they plant a few trees for you. So yeah, I just couldn't believe how much coverage it got. And you just go, really? Yeah. Just mm. leave him alone. Of course, it's a but, mark but of that, how much of a sort of breakout star he is exactly. that gets this yeah. sort of attention exactly because let's be honest if it had been I don't know Daniel Kvyat who said oh, I've gone vegan everyone would go right fine yeah, yeah. Uh, anyway. one thing, it has not improved the quality of his poetry for one thing <laughs> <laughs> I haven't read his poetry is it on Instagram uh, where, where is it is it on Instagram Princess Diana poem I can't, oh I can't no he did didn't he yeah. He did. It wasn't good. Uh, Lewis. I mean, I, we love you, but please. If you have, for example, eaten some bad food or you are newly vegan and you're finding that you're worried you might poo yourself, just read Lewis Hamilton's Princess Diana poem and your buttocks will be so <laughs> clenched with embarrassment, nothing will get out. Beautiful. Mm. He seems to be very serious about getting into music and producing releasing music mm. once he quits motorsport. Yeah. And as far as I can see, he does seem to have, as far as I can make out, some talent. Mm. But... The poetry doesn't bode well for the, no. uh, the songwriters. Well, but I'm looking forward to hearing actually what he does music wise. I think uh, I'm it was a bit sort of schooly, wasn't Uh-oh. it? It was a bit something that a 13 year old would write and think it was. Yeah. And I think it started off rhyming a bit. It didn't towards the end, but I think it started off Uh-oh. with rhymes. I can't remember now. And I just rhyming is never good. Once at school, we were told to write a poem about something of great magnitude and something very sad. And I wrote about the Lockerbie bombing, but but I chose to make it a rhyming poem. And the teacher (laughs) pointed out to me that this rather sucked some of of the gravitas out of it. The only time I can remember writing poetry at school, I chose to write a limerick because it 
was kind of short and easy, basically. And I know I'm good at writing some stuff. Poetry is not something I'm any good at. It's writing. really hard, isn't it? I have written many limericks. I can't do most of them on air, unfortunately. No. <laughs> Listen, let's get back to the business of motorsport and away from drivers' writing and eating habits. Let's get back to the whole Honda McLaren split, which is oh, well, last... Before we get to that, though, we should Wait. have a quick chat about Palmer. Was yeah. this too little, too late? Yes. Uh, yeah. Do yep. you think? I mean, because, you know, yep. actually yep. he had a good race. Dead man driving. Oh, I mean, yeah. he's, just, yeah. he's gone, isn't he? Well, we know he's well hang on. Whoa. I, whoa. As uh. a function of this whole Honda, Renault, Toro Rosso dance that's going on at the moment, there is the vague possibility, as Renault are now supplying, or will be supplying McLaren, mm. because he's kind of owed a favour by Renault, Jolly and Palmer, could end up as a reserve or development driver for McLaren as part of the Renault deal. Deadman Racing, mm. yes. Deadman Driving, probably not. Mm. I think he'll be around next year in some form, but not well, I mean, in a car racing. This can only have helped his chances, but, but it does seem like it's not quite enough. If he'd been racing like this earlier in the season, maybe. Mm. But, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Poor, but yeah, poor but McLaren, Honda, Renault... Should we dance a happy dance? I'm dancing a happy dance because the misery of having to come and stand next to this microphone and say, oh, McLaren's still rubbish, aren't they? It was really, really breaking my heart. I think my tolerance was probably less than the people who manage McLaren these days. I've been saying, get out of it in my heart for a long time, and they have. Hooray! But poor old Toro Rosso, or is it actually McLaren? You know, have McLaren actually paid for some useful R&D where Honda have now eliminated all the things that don't work Mm. and will be able to build an engine for Toro Rosso, which will work rather well? Well, let's not forget that they started off with an engine that was, I think they believe, compromised because McLaren were pursuing that size zero packaging philosophy, weren't they? And So Honda weren't, as far as I can gather, weren't entirely happy with that. Ran Mm. that for two years and it just wasn't working. So they've started again. So this year is sort of a proving year. And there's a chance. I mean, Mm. it seems like a long shot given that it's not happened during this season. But there's a chance that next season suddenly it all comes good. They've got the miles on it now. They know what's wrong. They know how to fix it, maybe. And suddenly it's not such a complete load of old awfulness. Yeah, I mean, they certainly should have accumulated a lot of data, a lot of experience in the last three years. And they can't carry on screwing it up so badly forever. (laughs) <laughs> is, is the other way of looking at it. Yeah. Two things yeah. happened with McLaren last week. They announced they were ditching the Honda engine, and Zach Brown followed me on Twitter. Oh, hello. Ooh. Are those two events connected in any way, do I'm we think? I'm going to say no. Mm, yeah, but probably <laughs> I'm just intrigued. Why is he following... People on Twitter. Well, I suppose uh, he's, it's perfectly his right to do that. I don't follow him, which is a bit embarrassing. Maybe it's just I because he produced a reasonably funny Twitter feed. I, I think would say. It, it's but quite, then uh, I suddenly thought, ooh, he's not going to like some of the things he's going to read about his team because I like laughing quite at their misfortune. But anyway, yeah, so, maybe their misfortune is ending. And uh, uh, he can bear to read some barbed remarks on Twitter from people like me because he knows that. Better things are to come. Yeah, I'm sure he's. So. I'm sure it's nothing he hasn't heard one way or another before. You know. I yes. Think so a so, McLaren Renault—that's a ridiculous idea, isn't it? It just doesn't well, sound right. Well, well, I don't McLaren know. Peugeot didn't sound. Yeah, right. either didn't go. Oh right wait a either. minute. So yeah. there we go. There's, there's, <laughs> hmm. The McLaren Honda sounds correct. Sound and right, is awful. It yeah. hasn't worked out for them. Yeah, and yeah. I mean, I, like you, I'm terribly disappointed that it hasn't worked out. I'm not 100 percent convinced that it was the right thing to do to switch though, because just maybe they're jumping ship. 
at the point where Honda are settled in and they're going to have a decent engine next year. It's yeah. just possible they picked the wrong time to do it. That would be but, an awful irony. <laughs> just oh, yeah. Alonso is constantly getting overtaken yeah. by a Toro Rosso with the, the engine Toro's that on. made yeah. his life so miserable. He probably would just crack at that point and completely lose his marbles. He's mellowed a lot. I mean, he um, has, but... as long as he's got things like you know, being able to race in America in his contract, um, that'll... Take the edge off the Fat Belly Brown has said that he can race at Le Mans next year if he wants, which would be interesting. I call him Fat Belly Brown. Have you noticed Zach Brown's got the biggest girth in Formula One this he's side? A, of, he's uh, a bit of a chunker, isn't he? Yeah. He, knows he loves a buffet. And he actually has <laughs> said this. I, I saw him on, yeah, he said <laughs> it on, on the Channel 4. Like a good buffet they were interviewing him and he said something about, yeah, he, just, he did say that. Bless him. He seems all right. I think he, seems like, seems, he seems like an affable chap, yeah. but... He does like a body warmer to try and disguise his girth <laughs> in the manner of Dane Bowers back when he was a pop star. Dane Bowers? Do you remember oh, yes. Dane Bowers? He was in another breakfast, or whatever they were called. He was going out with Katie Price slash Jordan. Yes. Had a black belt in karate or something. Those are the, those he the had random a black things belt in I remember. Karate, Dane Bowers. I think he did, yeah. I, I don't know. Sumo, I don't know why maybe. I think that, but, uh... Yeah, and he was always a bit chubby, but they used to, I think the stylists used to just constantly put him in body warmers to make him look thinner. And Zach Brown has gone, ooh, that's a good idea. <laughs> Because no one else on that team seems to wear a body warmer and it's like they're in Singapore. It's 39 degrees and about 100% humidity and he's wearing a bloody body warmer. It's crazy talk, I tell you. The engine shift from Honda to Renault has released a number of things happening in Formula One now in terms of contract, who goes where and what. Well, Alonso staying at McLaren isn't a done deal at the time of recording, but it seems likely. Mm. That clever move of acquiring Carlos Saints heading off to the Renault Works team as a sort of a sweetener in the deal. I thought that was a clever bit of politicking, all that, mm. wasn't it? And he's a hot property, but he's not the one they wanted. They wanted Danny Rick, apparently. That's what the rumours are. They said, Can we have Daniel Ricciardo? And Christian Horner said, Wait, I'm just going to put this record on and laugh you okay. out of the studio. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, coming up, people who are deluded starting <laughs> with these guys. <laughs> All right, here's Tina Turner. Yeah, that ain't going to happen, is it? They're not going to lose Danny Rick, who isn't going to go to Ferrari immediately either, is he? Well, they're all locked out now, aren't they? Yeah. So they've renewed on Raikkonen and, mm. and Hethel. So. But you know what my favourite thing from Singapore was? It wasn't Catalyst Science going to Renault. It wasn't the final announcement of the Honda-McLaren split. It, it was a radio message given to Stoffel van Dorn towards the end of the race when the McLaren race engineer worked out that, my God, we're still running. (laughs) We we might get a point here if we're lucky or four. And the message to van Dorn was to handle the candle. Did you hear that? Handle the candle. Handle the candle. Now, it's not a phrase I've ever heard before. They were telling him to bring the ship home in one piece, I think. Handle the candle. I think that means, you know, when you move in with a candle, you make a kind of a... a you sort of guard the flame with your hand as yeah. you're moving forward. Is that what it meant? I don't know. Handle the candle. Either that or it it's sort of a sexual you know, reference. I, I, yeah, I was going to say, I've got all kinds of other things. Yeah. Handle the, ca- well, handle I got, the candle. Well, I got real spot of bother once handling a candle because Hello. I went to pick up a candle that had been burning all evening and didn't realise there was hot wax down the side of it oh. and it was still quite hot because I'd just blown it out. Went to pick it up went out, dropped it down, and it fell over, and all the wax that was still in the top sprayed out onto 
a piece of clothing belonging to my girlfriend at the time. Oh. And she was very cross because the wax sort of ruined it a bit. Oh. Mm, the hot wax can so be very So I'm just saying, um, Stoffel mm. van Dorn and anyone else who may be considering handling a candle, just be careful. Yes. <laughs> okay, Stoffel, handle the candle. Handle the candle. Great stuff, Stoff. Run with scissors. Run with scissors. Uh, looking good, Stoffel. Throw water on a chip and fire. Water on a chip and fire. Stop giving me bad advice! Stay with McLaren. Step Petrol! We Gareth Jones on speed! It's been a pretty intense couple of weeks with all the action at Singapore and the change of engines for McLaren and an intense couple of weeks in the car industry too, if Frankfurt is to be believed. And I suppose the star of the Frankfurt show, you've got to say it like that, haven't you? The star of this year's International Automotive Frankfurt show was the Mercedes AMG Project one is that the correct title, Richard? Is that what they call uh, it? Yeah, you don't know, so. dear. I'm not certain either. I think it is called that. Yeah, I think so. I mean, it, no contest in a way. It might seem obvious, picking the fastest, shiniest, most superest of supercars there. But yeah, wow. it really <sighs> is it an F1 fantastic. car. For yeah, it though, really is. I mean, really it actually, is. Uh, isn't well, the block a considerable amount of yeah. the F1 tech is making its way onto that car? The energy recovery, the block, I believe, the pistons, the cylinder head, all this is common. I'm a bit worried about this because if I were Renault or Honda right now, I would immediately order one of those Project Ones, disassemble it, and just copy that just block copy, and yeah. use it in this. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. when, when will it be delivered, though? Would you get it in ah, time? I don't ah. know. It's, uh, Before the yeah. rules are changed. Yeah, I'd have to make so many changes to it as well. Otherwise, just for reliability. Yeah, yeah. Got, try and drive it in traffic, which I presume yeah. they'll still have to do. In the same way, it'd look a bit silly if it was so highly strung you couldn't drive it slowly. So because you, let's be honest, that's what it'll be doing a lot of, I suspect, around yeah. Yeah. cities and things. I just, so I you, need, just reading, you need your idle to be a little bit below 5,000 so. revs. Yeah. You know, uh, also, you probably need to be able to start it on a button rather than, say, having a man stick a debris up its fundament yeah. Uh, exactly yeah they still do that with those F1 cars now they do yes yeah. they still stick a debris um, up the fundament yes technical term they are as you're saying that the engine will last for 50,000 kilometres and then it'll need a rebuild really that's 30,000 miles thereabouts that's quite short lived by yeah. contemporary engine standards yes. on the other hand on the other hand on the other hand if you're going to have a high performance engine you don't expect it to last 100,000 miles, as also, a lot of people that own sports cars will know. Well, the other thing is that probably not one of those cars will ever do 30,000 miles. That's the other thing, yeah. You know, if you ever look at sort of Veyrons for sale or something, they've all got you know, 4,000 miles on them, if that. It's getting a bit silly, actually, that sort of thing where all these high-value cars, particularly the ones that go on sale and immediately soar in value, and everyone just puts them away. It's a complete waste, isn't it? I mean, the engineering teams must despair. They go, we spent like a year at the Nürburgring and in the Arctic Circle and Death Valley making sure this car works perfectly mm. and the handling is just so. And, and people drive them less and less and less. Like dorking. You just go, for God's yeah. sake. It's a real shame. I haven't mentioned this on the show, but Porsche have a 911 GT3 RS, the old shape, the 997, and they have a GT3 RS that was their press car. The end of the registration is HBY. And if you ever read car magazines, you'll have seen it, whether you realise it or not, in Autocar or Evo or whatever. And when that model became obsolete, they couldn't bear to sell it. 
So they kept it and sort of inaugurated the Porsche UK Heritage Fleet, which is now three cars, apparently, and one of them is this. It's just there in case it's sort of needed for some kind of retrospective group test or something in Evo. Basically, just Evo, just borrow it every other month. And, <laughs> the um, Evo car. And as a the sometime employee of Evo magazine, they said, do you want to have a go in it? And so they lent it to me for a week. And, oh, my sainted Lord, it is the most unbelievable car. It's incredible. I can't even begin to describe... I was going to say it's almost like a computer game in as much as it just goes where you point it and it accelerates. The, the pickup, the throttle response is extraordinary. The brakes are incredible and just the handling is... And the quicker you go, the more planted it becomes. Yeah, it's one of those. That, and that's the thing. But it's yeah. also so usable on a normal road because, A, it's not too big, but also because the ride just gets even better as you go. So you don't feel it's going to get knocked offline by bumps. You point it where you want it to go and it goes and the grip is extraordinary. Mm. Yeah, it's not boring. It's not sort of over top. You can get it to move around a little bit and it just has this incredible feedback. But I'm babbling because I loved it so much. The reason I bring this up is because the GT3 RSs are all sort of going silly, silly money, kind of 150 grand, 200 grand for a immaculate one that's got like seven miles on it or something. And this one, they've kept it nice looking, but it's not immaculate. There's a bit of scruff around the edges and it's got sort of 30,000 miles on it. Having said that, you often expect high performance engines to need rebuilding. Yeah. That car is going to be nowhere near needing an engine rebuild. Oh, God, no. No, no. And that's the thing. And imagine the life it's had because they've had all manner of Helms rights thrashing the life out of it around tracks and yet it feels absolutely tight but the thing is it's just so glorious to have a car like that that is obviously going up in value every Mm. week and yet it's being used and the the guy from Porsche actually said to me you know please do use it to the full extent of its abilities we love the fact that's why we hate it sitting there we love lending it out to people, you know, mm. because it means it's getting used and it's there to be used and we don't mind a few stone chips on it and we don't mind the seats getting scuffed, scuffed because yeah. it's a wonderful it's a working thing. Car. Yeah, and I just thought, that's glorious. Yeah. How much is Project One going for? 11 million? Uh, two Squifty million billion, I think, yeah. is the figure yeah. I had in mind. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah. I've, I've got to be honest, I'm more excited by the Aston Valkyrie, which I just think, because it's so insane and it's also Adrian Newey's yes. thing. And mm. it sort of looks... Mad. I find that Merc looks a bit like a 90s Group C racer or something. Yes. Not a bad thing. But not a bad not thing a per bad se, thing. but it's a bit weird. It feels like if it had come out in the 90s, it would have fallen over with excitement. But now it's sort of... I suppose what I'm trying to say is there's something sort of oddly old-fashioned about it. They should let these hypercars oh. all race at Le Mans, that would save Le Mans. I'd be, love to see the project. Imagine Mans. that. And ah, the Valkyrie. That'd be an interesting solution yeah. to... Uh, yeah, or, or, all better or, off. Yeah. LaFerrari. Oh, someone's turned up with a LaFerrari. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you can race whatever you like, as long as it's yeah. a car that you could actually buy on the high street in inverted yes. Yes. Yeah. That yeah. would be amazing. It's just be so beautiful, the, ja- the Japanese Lamborghini Owners Club are back, and this time they brought a Printesh, <laughs> yeah. because they can. <laughs> <laughs> it's just everything to play for in hey, the Le Mans t- free-for-all. Talking of which, did you notice, Le Mans free-for-all, that the... Peugeot 908 HDI FAP, mm-hmm. which raced at Le Mans successfully and won a few years ago, raced at Spa recently. Chamberlain Motorsport, who are a very good endurance team, have acquired, I think, a couple of 908s mm. and have put a whole team of people together to run them in a support series at Spa, a kind of retro endurance sport series. I mean, it's practically what you just described. Imagine, imagine that, seeing the 908 run again. Oh, I love that car. Sorry, I went yeah, off topic no, there. I, I, Frank I, I first. That, yeah. Let's move away what? from the hyper-hyper cars and look at the direct opposite of that, the direct opposite of that, uh, the apothesis, what's the apothesis, what's the word that we're, that we're thinking of? Thinking Apogee. Of apotheosis? Is that apotheosis. Yeah. Direct- oh, I don't know what apotheosis means. Well, so I'm going to use it here. Yeah, uh, get it mixed up with apothecary. Is, so. 
Which is yeah, a funny old-fashioned word for a chemist. Isn't it? Just, yeah, getting anything mixed up with a chemist is not a good idea. Is it? But, uh, that Honda, is it the Urban E? Is that what it's Urban called? Urban EV. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Which, which uh, actually, yeah, if you think about it... a little cracker. Sounds like a Russian name, Urbanev. Mr. Urbanev. Why don't Russian firms all make EVs? Because they all finish in EV. Polish Skerver. I made that up, I think. There are Soviet astronauts with names who finish in Ev. What are they called? Uh, um, the word there was Korolev was the great designer. Korolev. Yes. Um, there you go. Uh, who else was there? I'm going to build a Korolev Russian EV. Tereshkova was the first woman in space. Over. Oh, Valentina Tereshkova. Yeah. Yeah, Tina right, Turner. Yeah. Tina Turner? <laughs> <laughs> Tina Turner is best actor yeah, than Geordie was, was the first Russian woman Tina in space. Tina Turner? <laughs> Like um, Kawasaki and Tina Tuna. Two things best said with a northeast accent. Yeah, the Honda Urban EV. Urban EV. Which looked a bit like... Was inspired by the 70s Civic. Mm. But was also just really it's neat. really mini minim- looking to me. Yeah, right? some people said it was a bit Mark 1 Golf. Very Actually, Mark yes, 1 Golf. But none of these are bad things. And I just thought Correct. it was a very neat bit. Also, considering yeah. that Honda has made you know, a royal rat's ball bag of most of its designs recently... Ooh. Something that's sort of nice and uncreased and lovely. Hang on, I'm just imagining a royal rat's ball that's bag. That's a bad thing. Um, and, I, yeah, I thought it was tremendous. It yeah. seems to pique a lot of people's interests. And because it's a Honda, you just think, imagine that. And the interior, did you see the interior? I didn't see no, it the interior. It looked like as if it sort of had cushions, which I imagine open with the doors, but then closed to form like the arms of a sofa. Oh, nice. Something about right. this car. To me, two things. Massive glass house, which is very unusual these days. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, you usually have huge amounts of strength around the glass. It's very little. It's literally all glass and invisible supports, A and B pillars. But this is the first car, I think, that looks as if the entire car might have been 3D printed. Do you know what I mean by that? It looks like a drawing in 3D. There's something mm. utterly it's minimalist it's, about it's quite, it. Yeah, it's because it's so minimal. But yeah. yeah. No, tremendous. Love and, that. and it's reasonably close to being they're in saying. production. Yeah, yeah, that's it? what they're it's saying. It's supposed yeah. to be possibly 2019 yeah. launch, two I, years I, away. I, yeah, which would be, which would be all good. I didn't go to the Frankfurt show. I gathered when I saw it in real life, so that it was surprisingly massive. Oh, it really? looks tiny, but oh. that's partly... All concept cars tend to be oversized because... Uh-huh. They want to look big and impressive, and under bright lights on most show stands, things tend to get a bit shrunk. So concept cars, particularly width, they tend to be wider than they ever would be in real life. My first thought was just that it would be to do with crash regulations, and particularly the US crash regulations. It's hard to make a really small car. But you look at the pictures and you go, it's about the size of a Suzuki Ignis, medium-sized car. Ishijaro's, what was it called, Lando, do you remember that? Massive hatchback, which was, do you remember the Lando... Lando Calarizian. Not that one, no, no. Ital Lando, I think it was called. Ital Design Lando. It was a sort of a Jaguar-sized hatchback, which I think has turned out to be one of the most forward-thinking car designs of the last 20 years, because essentially all these large SUVs that we're driving around at the moment are effectively scaled-up hatchbacks, which is what the Lando was. I think the only difference is that that wasn't four-wheel drive, like all the crossovers Mm. are. I think he sort of nailed it. It's very difficult to predict the future, isn't it? Very difficult game. I was going to say Frankfurt, something else that obviously piques a lot of people's interest, although it's not really a new car, was the Porsche 911 GT3 with the touring pack. Did you see this? Tell us more, tell us more. So what it is, it's the current 911 GT3, which is a fabulous car, but has a very big wing on it. The touring pack deletes the rear wing. But that's not all. It also makes the interior 
all black and the centre bits of the seat are a sort of corduroy material. Corduroy. And that's it. And yet, I mean, there quite, is something unbelievably cool. appealing about yeah. it. And I, yeah. I, I was looking at it when they announced it, and I sort of wanted one so much it made me feel sick that I think <laughs> I'll never have one. Because all it is is an option. You check a box on the Porsche configurator. Do you want the touring back? You go, yes. And then the rear wing disappears, and the seat centres become corduroy. And it's only with a manual gearbox as well. For some reason, you can't have the PDK. And there's a weird thing on the configurator. You go, check, I'd like the touring pack, please. And then you go, oh, but would I want PDK? Check. And then it goes, you know, they do the thing on car mm. configurators. It pops up a little box that says, to have that, you must delete the following. Yeah. And he goes, to have PDK, you must delete the touring pack. And you go, oh, okay, fair enough. Yep. So it's a manual only GT3 that just sort of is a bit more. And the other thing, for some reason, though you can have this deleted, but a standard comes with a chrome ring around the side windows. Cheeky. It's, it's a bit like, it, but it, 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 it is insanely appealing. I don't know why. It's sort of well, stealth spec. I like the sound of it. I like, I like the sound of the way this is going to look. Cleaner lines, also. But when you have basically an option to delete that big old rear wing, mm. the question then comes to mind: Well, wasn't that wing doing something in mm. the first place? <laughs> is, you know, <laughs> isn't this either? Yes, it's sort of uh, doing something useful and significant on the car. Or it's not. And mm. if you're just removing it for the hell of it, isn't that going to have some I gather the driving front, implications? There's been some alterations to the front arrow and indeed, I think, to the diffuser at the rear, derived, I think, from the okay. stuff that was on the 911R because that had no rear wing at all. It does get the little pop-up spoiler like a normal 911 Carrera. And so that but you're absolutely right. It's like, is but yeah, they fiddled most with the, the, the aero to sort of compensate for it. And yeah, mm. I think probably at higher speeds, you're not getting the same amount of downforce. But let's be honest, most people yeah, you're not. You, you can't race it anymore, mm. but you can still have a lot of fun with it. Yeah, I won't be taking... Real I won't, even if I was able to afford one, I wouldn't be taking it to next year's free-for-all Le Mans. And how about mm. Audi deleting Quattro, or if you like the front-wheel drive, yeah. from the R8. There's an R8RWD, rear-wheel no, drive. No, no, what? You're no. right, except that it's called the R8RWS. Rear-wheel steer? For what? Because the back end's going to be all over the place when you put your foot well, down. Well, that's the thing. I don't know. I think rear it's like rear-wheel sport or something yes. like that. But it's as if they mm, weren't... Okay. Mm, well, mm. if there are three less away, we could express that it's rear-wheel drive. No, there isn't. <laughs> one. There just isn't <laughs> one. You know what are you doing? <laughs> Why would you do? Unless they go, oh, yeah. well, D stands for diesel. Well, you know, we don't really want to go near there. Well, we know how. Trouble, so. Yeah, how out of yeah. love we are with but diesel. Yeah, I thought it was really weird. They called it RWS. It's yeah, like yeah. there's a complete sitter yeah, there, yeah. but something else they could have called it. But yeah, quite interesting that I suppose. Well, it's like the club sport equivalent, I suppose. What Porsche do with club sports? Yeah, make it Strip lighter. Strip it down. Yeah. Take yeah. all the unnecessary stuff off. They've, all the electric. They've borrowed from Big Brother Porsche to do the same for Audi. Makes perfect sense, Real doesn't sports. it? Really? Mm, yeah. Yeah. I bet the marketing department were going, oh, come on. 30 years we've been hammering this Quattro thing. 30 years. <laughs> and here's one that isn't Quattro and it's better. Mm, more what? Actually, 30, well, yeah, 30, it, yeah. almost 40 years. That is surely one of the sort of strongest sub brands in the car industry. Yeah, yeah. One of oh, I don't know. What about Geo? Like the expression on both your faces. Well, yeah. it, of Metro fame. Yeah, Geo Metro, yeah, yeah. Prism. These were General Motors imports built in oh, America. Yeah, yeah. A sub-brand, really, they built, it? They were Isuzu's. They were Japan. Isuzu's, they were Suzuki's, and oh. they were Toyota's, I believe. They were. A, 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 was there a Geo version of the Suzuki Vitara? There was, the, the Tracker, the Geo oh, Tracker. Right, right. Hey, I can't believe I knew that. Mm. That's weird. Did I live in America in the 80s? Oh, a bit. 
Visited, visited <laughs> yeah. a lot, maybe. a lot, yeah. <laughs> Very quickly, I was going to say as well. The Frankfurt show, something else, which again will go hybrid, but isn't at the moment. Is the new Bentley Continental GT, mm. but it's lighter and smarter. Yeah. And it's like mm. the Continental GT is like someone who just gets better looking as they get older. Thank you. Uh, and you know what I mean it's just one of those things that every iteration of that car just gets better looking yeah. and, and, it started and well didn't it I've always thought it's a uh, handsome see, I thought, I has there ever bit, been a, a, a lumpy I found it a bit lumpy as a first really? iteration yeah, don't, the back yeah. particularly and now I just think that new one is incredibly pretty. elegant and pretty yeah. and it's, yeah, yeah. it's a stunning looking car it sort of looks a bit like one of those old Astons I can't wait for the car. super legera touring shooting brake version of mm. it which hopefully will happen okay um, any other Frankfurt news oh yes significant Oh, yes. For Frankfurt was big for Jaguar. Jaguar have announced that the I-Pace, I keep wanting to call it the E-Pace. No, it is the E-Pace. No, the, it's I-Pace. The, the E-Pace is the little yeah. SUV that's not electric. And the I-Pace. will be hybrid soon. Is the, the bigger electric, is the electric one. car, yeah. That's going to be. Which is still officially only a concept. Really? And yet it's a concept that's going to be the support series for Formula E next year. Yeah. I thought they were going to announce the production I-Pace at the Frankfurt show, and then they didn't. Oh. I mean, it would be ridiculous to suggest that I've seen the production I pace and it's pretty much exactly like the concept because I haven't and I'm not allowed to say that I have. And it would be but ridiculous for that. It would be it, ridiculous yeah. to mm. say that. If I had seen it, which I haven't, so mm. I'll say that all, the only difference from the outside I can tell really is it's got sort of quarter lights on the glass mm. so that it can go down. Mm-hmm. But the you interior have to really nice. I know. If I had seen it, I'd probably say the interior is very nice and yeah. probably as good as Jag should be and really? better than the yeah. recent efforts. But you haven't. But I haven't seen it, so Great. I can't tell you that. And <laughs> actually, of course, Jaguar Land Rover recently announced in the last couple of weeks that, is it from 2020, they won't be selling any vehicles that are Don't internal combustion motor. engine only. Yeah, Every vehicle they sell yeah. will be Which is, hybrid or electric. I mean, they've done. Um, they've made the same announcement that Volvo pretty much made. Yeah, it always weeks. gets picked up in the wrong way by the mainstream media, in as much as they sort of imply that they're Although becoming an electric up any, car company. Well, this is the, you say picked up in the wrong way it's being picked up by the mainstream press I think in exactly the way that the car manufacturers wanted to be picked up yes yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, someone else announced that recently as well and they did sort of announce it in a more kind of sort of measured measured honest way, way. yeah because your honest reporting of it would be a bit more nuanced and would point out that it's not like they're an all electric car company all of a sudden yeah but that's, oh. the, that's what it's accidentally implied or yeah. at least they allow people to infer that they are going to purely be electric and of course they're not and Volvo isn't pretty much every car company will be in that position yeah 2020 or 2021, so... What did you say? Nuanced and accurate reporting? You see, not everyone's like Gareth Jones on speed. <laughs> Never knowingly over-researched. <laughs> You've been listening to Gareth Jones on speed. He was Zog. Goodbye. He was Richard. Goodbye. And I was the Gareth. See ya. To send us an email, see pictures, get song lyrics, join our Facebook fan site, follow us on Twitter, or to find out about sponsorship opportunities, go to garethjones.tv. Gareth Jones on Speed is made in London by Whizbang. Gareth Jones on-